Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refilue Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What makes you want to be an entrepreneur? Nothing can ever train you or equip you to be one. But what makes you want to be one? Resilient, without a doubt. Oh my goodness, I feel like I want to be part of this program. (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting. What's the criteria to get in? Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. Welcome, this is season two of Conversations with Pioneers, and I'm your host, Rifilwe Tobeja. Yes, we're back. Sorry for the wait, but trust me, it was well worth it. We had to take some time out to reflect, see how far we had come, and contemplate on what lies ahead. Look, the pandemic has ravaged our lives. So many lives have been lost. Businesses have shut down. Jobs have been lost. The vaccination drive continues. This list is long. However, with platforms like this, we try to spread the good news and create escapism from all the gloom and doom. So we're back. Welcome to the first episode of Conversations with Pioneers, Season 2. We are in the business of talking to people doing amazing stuff in their fields and industries. I'm talking about entrepreneurs, innovators, and thought leaders. If you're one of them or know anyone who fits the criteria, please drop me an email, info at refilotobeja.com. Today I'm coming to you from the luxurious and prestigious The Palms in Kimberley right next to the busy Curtis Road and I'm in conversation with Jay Sebesho. Jay develops marketing, brand and communication strategies for government, parastatals and corporate brands. With over 12 years of experience, she's inspired by creating brand-to-consumer connections as well as building brand relevance and credibility in the lives of consumers. She has worked with big B2B and B2C brands such as MTN, Jet, Unilever, RCL, as well as other brands including the big four banks in the country, Standard Bank, First National Bank, APSA and NetBank. Jay has experience developing brands across multiple industries and African markets, analyzing varying consumer insights, needs as well as behaviors. She holds a BCom marketing management degree, a branding A to Z certificate from Vega, and a scenario planning and strategic thinking certificate from Gibbs. Jay is founder and managing director of Janun Digital Agency in Johannesburg, and she's at the forefront of the evolution of brand strategy thinking in a post-pandemic world. Welcome to the show, Jay. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Rifilia. I am so excited. Season two, here we go. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? 
I've been well. Obviously, you know, it's hard. It's difficult times. Um, it actually feels like there's just this dark cloud in the atmosphere. You know, we're losing people. Businesses are shutting down uh, due to the pandemic. And now with the current social unrest, everything has just become so gloomy. Sure. And it's just become so important, you know, to make sure that you're taking care of yourself from a mental wellness point of view. Yeah. And what's also nice is, you know, what brands are trying to do to keep that light shining for our current communities that are really going through very tough times. Mm. It's terrible what's going on. You know what? Let's just hope for a solution, a global solution, a national solution, just a solution all around. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so needed. What's so nice is just seeing the unity that is starting to emerge. What we're also seeing is, you know, people just not looking to government or other people to make things happen for themselves. I'm starting to see a culture of people just getting up on their own two feet and saying, okay, what can I do? And and going about it in a unified manner. So it's hopeful, I can say. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's dig in. Let's dive right deep in. Tell us about Jay. Where are you originally from and where did you grow up? So Jay, you know, Jay is short for Josephine. Uh, my first name is Mamojano. Mm-hmm. My second name, Josephine. And the name Mamojano, it means now in Setswana. And in Thedi, it's a war, which is very interesting and unique oh, wow. <laughs> in its own way. I was born in Atridgeville. I was raised by my grandmother till I was about three years old. My mom, my grandmother was a nurse. My mom was a nurse. And my mom soon got married to my dad. Uh, they bought a house in Soweto, in Dobsonville. And that's where I grew up. You know, growing up in Soweto back in the days was very interesting, especially having a mom like mine uh, who, you know, worked so hard and my dad as well. They both worked so hard to try and get me the best opportunities in life. And as a result, I, you know, had the unique experience of going to girls' schools all my life, convents specifically. Yeah. And only discovered the big world when starting first year at this university. And, you know, having grown up in Joburg, you know, I always used to say to people, my primary school is down the road, my high school is up the road, my university is across the road. And it built this thing inside of me of always wanting to go outside um, of the province, of the country, to see and discover unique and different things. So that's kind of like, you know, who I am. <laughs> wow, Jay, that's that's really interesting and fascinating. So you're a sister, sister. <laughs> In the true sense of the word. <laughs> a real sister, yeah. No wonder now I understand why you're such a sister, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know. Now I know. So Jay, you work with brands a lot and I have often heard the phrase brand authenticity. Please break it down for us. What is brand authenticity? Absolutely. So I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, but there's this page called Advertising to Black People. And uh, what that page actually did was highlighting to marketers and advertisers that Anytime when you're selling to a specific demographic in the market, you do not necessarily have to always show that particular type of person or that demographic in a stigmatized manner. So we often saw TV ads of Gogos dancing for airtime or tea or uh, washing powder. And from a representation point of view, in terms of how you represent that demographic, there's small things that might make a brand appear to be tone deaf or to not understand who that individual is. True. And as a strategist, I've always wanted to see brands not only having a transactional relationship with individuals. You know, you really need to understand what people are going through so that when you start to communicate your product or when you have your brand story or your brand purpose, it's linked to solving the real problems or really understanding who those individuals are. So uh, brand authenticity is about how you represent a group of people in a manner that is respectful, in a manner that is understanding of the nuances of what they're going through, understanding of the zeitgeist of our times, of what is happening around the world. 
and representing your brand in a manner that authentically connects with those people and not in a, a faceless kind of way or an impersonal kind of way that even makes the, that group of people feel as though they're being stigmatized or feel as though they're not being respected. Yeah. And brand authenticity is also about responsibility from a brand point of view. It's building an authentic and real relationship with people and really understanding what you do as a business and providing your solutions within the realm of what you do. So if you're a bank, you can't expect the market to love you or build brand love because you went and supplied blankets. Yes, it's a great initiative, but as a brand, what you need to do is understand what your strengths are, understand who you're talking to, and represent that group of people in a respectful manner that builds a relationship with them and doesn't necessarily almost take advantage of them. You really need to show that you understand from an identity point of view. We live in a multicultural South African landscape, so it's very important to ensure that you strike a balance from a communication point of view, how you represent, how you show up as a brand, and the responsibility that you have uh, with regards to the people that you are marketing your products to. Wow, that's amazing. So Jay, you have worked as a brand and communication strategist for agencies in South Africa, Namibia, Kenya, and Malawi. Please name them and how was it like? Sure. So in South Africa, my first break in advertising was working at the Jupiter Drawing Room where, you know, I met the MD and co-founder Renee Silverstone. And I had just come out from doing my degree and I did one of my courses was business strategy. And that's how I fell in love with strategy, you know, in the creative world. It was an interesting time where they had just won four major accounts. They had all of Edcon, they had MTN, they had APSA and Cecil. And after that, I moved on to uh, Joe Public in South Africa and I became a consultant. I worked as a consultant with Joe Public in Namibia and we landed the Bidvest account in Namibia. It was a business strategy that we were doing for the Bidvest brand in uh, Namibia, uh-huh. which was an amazing um, experience. So Joe Public Namibia is now called Cornerstone and I still have a very good relationship with the MD, who is also a very influential woman who has really secured her space uh, in the Namibian uh, market. I've also worked with the digital brand agency in Kenya. We did amazing work for Safaricom, for one of the big retailers as popular as Pick and Pay in this country. It's called Nakumat. That was an exciting strategy that we did there. Mm -hmm. So Firebrands in Malawi was an exciting startup where I was a co-founder as well of Firebrands. We did amazing work for the Malawian telco there and continued to do very unique and interesting things because Malawi as a market uh, is very different uh, from any other economy in the the continent. Then I also worked at the Hardy Boys in Durban. Uh, That's where I was able to touch the Unilever account across various products that they offer, including the CSI work that they were doing, uh, which was a very nice experience, working with the various partners um, of the Hardy Boys, including the PR arm and social media divisions. And um, that was very exciting, including brand research that we did for the jockey brand for their product development, how they reinvent themselves and continue to make you know their product relevant in this current market. I also work with Mixology. So Mixology is a boutique agency in Joburg, working on APSA Capital, doing internal communication for APSA capital, which is nice because those are like, you know, you're communicating to the bankers, right? you know, as opposed 
opposed to communicating to the consumers, we're talking to like, you know, the wealth advisors and, you know, getting them to engage with APSA Capital as their employer, uh, which was exciting. I've worked with Black Powder. Mm-hmm. Black Powder was interesting because I wasn't just wearing a strategy hat, but I was also heading up their client services division, which was exciting. We did amazing work for Discam. In fact, what the most notable thing with working with the Black Powder team was just as the pandemic broke, we developed a two-minute TV show that aired across SABC channels that was helping South Africans to navigate the pandemic. Mm. And it was a quick turnaround. Um, it was leveraging. It was like, you know, when you're thinking for social media, however, that content is going on television and that was already starting to show how the market is evolving and changing. And I've worked with Naledi Films doing very exciting campaigns. Uh, we currently have a campaign on, at the moment called the I Can with Apps to Drive, which is very exciting. I've worked with June 15, as well as uh, Butterfly Effect Intelligence, which is not a conventional advertising agency. It's more of a market research agency. So we did a lot of competitor analysis for the financial services sector, trends analysis, consumer insights, and all of those good things. So that's just to mention uh, the ones that come to mind. Wow, that's amazing. How do you ensure a brand's competitive advantage over its competitors? So what a competitive advantage is, is that you are positioning yourself as a market leader or in a space that you need to be positioned within, right? Right. And the biggest thing as when you're starting to get that advantage is differentiation. So one of my favorite quotes is that your competitors can always steal your product idea, right? That's true. Yeah. You know, you producing toilet paper or toothpaste and someone comes and does the exact same thing and sets up shop right next door to you and charges maybe one rand less, right? Right. What they can't steal is your purpose. So your brand story, your reason for being, your why. Competitive advantage is very much about understanding what your competitors offer, understanding what your consumers are looking for and being solid and firm in what you believe and what you stand for. So what that means is if my product is charged at a premium, I'm not going to reduce my prices because the people next door are reducing their prices. It's through my brand story, the differentiation of why people must come to me, whether my price is higher or my product is uniquely different in some particular ways. If people understand who you are as a brand, that's what your advantage is. And it it requires you to really be connected to what is currently happening around you. You know, what are the tensions in the market and what story are you putting out there that, that is authentically connecting with people? That is the differentiation that we're talking about and once you have that differentiation it creates that relevance and when you have that relevance you know you become unapologetic about what your positioning is in the market and that's how people start to come to you that's true yeah your work entails building brand relevance and credibility in the lives of consumers why did you choose this field where did your passion come from you know as a young girl watching television you know there was one thing that i really wanted to do which was act Mm. and i used to catch myself when tv advertising used to come on I'd always sing the jingle I'd always say the words of what the script basically of what the advert is and I caught myself doing that so when I started studying I was influenced I was told hey you need to do IT because the world is going digital you need to do finance you need to do economics and I tried and then I was like this is not what I want to do And within the commercial space, because I was already pursuing a commercial degree, I found marketing to be the biggest field that really resonated with who I am. And ever since I was even a child, I'm like a walking salesman. I was always saying to people, here's this business idea. Let's do this. Let's do that. My friends and I, when we learned how to do paper mache, we made little paper mache ashtrays and were trying to sell them. So I've always been commercially and entrepreneurially inclined. And I found marketing in the commercial space to be something that really resonates with who I am. 
I am as a person. So that's the the passion started. It started in pursuing marketing as a an academic career choice. The when I was then studying marketing, then I understood the difference between marketing and communication, and I was like, ooh. It has to be the communication for me. And I think the passion comes from just the love of people. I really love people. I love engagement and creating, designing experiences for them. You know, things or platforms like television or radio or even billboards can can be so far away. They can make a person feel so far away. And those mediums are so powerful. So being able to develop work that will engage and touch people, uh, create behavior change, uh, you know, in some of the, the socially responsible campaigns that we have done, where we are informing people about their health and we're trying to help them to protect themselves or make better health decisions. But I feel a responsibility. It's like just wanting to make sure that people are fine and using communication platforms to reach them and help them as, in any way, shape or form. That's amazing to just find yourself and be accurately in what you believe you were meant to do. That's amazing, Jay. So what's your favorite advert at the moment and why? Either on radio or, or television. So I know it's going to you know, sound some kind of way, but currently I'm really and genuinely loving another project I'm actually working on. It has to be this I Can With Apps Drive that we're doing that's currently on ETV at the moment. It's a six-minute insert that plays on ETV at 24 minutes past seven. It's going to run until August. Why I love this project is because you're seeing a bank driving to people's homes, engaging with them. I mean, we've just had a, a pandemic, right? We're driving to people's homes. We're hearing what their stories are in terms of, you know, the challenges that they might be facing as a result of COVID because it's really changed people's lives. And then there's like a fun element where we have this game show in this car and a contestant answers the, a question, which is obviously an APSA product related question. And they get a, a prize at the end. They win cash money. And I just like it because of the authenticity of this campaign as well as the fact that you're really genuinely changing people's lives in an impactful way that only a financial service provider can do so that has to be you know my favorite campaign at the moment <laughs> amazing what was your role on television show Trending SA season six? So season six was so amazing. So my role was a brand strategist, basically, for Trending SA. What's nice about Trending SA, it's like, you know, this show that keeps people connected to what's currently happening in the country based off of the conversations that we have on social media and given commentary by the host. So we had an opportunity to do a branded partnership with Vodacom. And my responsibility was developing that strategy. How do we position the Vodacom brand within the Trending SA? platform. So we developed content that was educational content about Vodacom. We had interviews. We created content ourselves. So television is so interesting. And, you know, I was watching one, I think I was watching The River and I was watching, they had these aerial shots where they have like my way in the river. So you're watching a TV show, but then in the TV show, there's advertising, right? Mm. So with the Vodacom and Training SA partnership, what I really loved was using thinking for television. So designing formats that create communication where people can still take something out without you just then sitting there and telling them and saying, hey, this is what you need to know. So it was very interesting to watch the Training SA creative team really whip up such beautiful content, different formats of content that was engaging, that lived very beautifully within the training essay TV show, still making the full show engaging and still, you know, delivering and communicating the brand in a cool way. Wow, that's amazing. Now let's talk about your baby, Janon Digital Agency. When was it launched?
launched, why, how, the works, everything. So Yanu was born in 2014, right? And I was tired. I was tired of being marginalized. Mm. I was tired of being reminded when I walk in agencies that I am black and that I am a woman. And I had a very bad experience of being in a boardroom and I'm saying an idea and everybody keeps quiet. And then someone else says the exact thing that I have just said. And now it's taken into consideration. Sure. And I said to myself that I really enjoy what I'm doing. I, I love the work that I do, but I can no longer fight. You know, I'm tired of fighting. And the reason for creating Yanong was a desire to have a voice and to communicate the concept of brand authenticity as well, to not look at people in a way that is not appropriate. And what has been great is the partnerships that we've had, the businesses that have built Yanong, you know, businesses like 360 Life Global. We had an opportunity to work on Doves, on uh, Numsa Finance financial services, on Caesar Medical, on Zest. And it's been exciting. And my true passion is is grooming and teaching the younger generation and helping them and empowering them to learn. That's amazing. I believe that if I was uh, maybe within an agency somewhere, I wouldn't have had the opportunities to be in the forefront in a leadership position of campaign thinking, of strategy development, of creative conceptualization. And also while grooming younger strategists and enabling young strategists who wouldn't necessarily have access or an experience of being seen, being heard to also develop their craft and really launch themselves in their markets, launch their careers in that way. And it's been a ripple effect. And that is why uh, Yanong started. And that is the reason why Yanong is still going to continue to grow because we've really had a positive uptake in terms of skills development of the younger generation and empowering people to really take their seats within this industry. Incredible stuff. So this year, Yanong has pivoted in line with the new normal of offering its solutions to its clients and it aims to be a formidable force in South Africa's marketing and communication landscape. How did you and Yanong pivot? So the biggest pivot for me, Rufilo, has been about how we approach campaigns, right? And thinking. Mm. So in the past, let's say before COVID, you come up with an idea or the, the client gives you a brief. You come up with the idea that answers that brief, right? Uh-huh. And then you deliver on it and maybe the client sees a return on investment or they take learnings and re-strategize for the next campaign. What uh, COVID has enabled us to do as an agency is understanding that you have like a very small window of opportunity when you're talking to someone. So the thinking of how we land ideas and concepts has been reimagined completely and totally. None of the rules that applied in, in the past apply right now. So we have pivoted in the sense that we're utilizing digital touch points with people in a unique way. The five seconds that we have to talk and communicate with them, we take it very, very seriously. And we've become very busy as a result because everything has now moved digitally. You know, they say that the seven years that we could have taken to learn digital concepts or to be where we are right now in terms of working from home and all of that it has been condensed as a result of COVID. And as a result, people are going through a lot. They have stress, they have pressure. So when you engage with them and how you engage with them really needs to capture them and really engage with them. That's how we have pivoted from an approach point of view. Everything has completely been totally reimagined. So let me take you back. March, April 2020, a hard lockdown. How did that affect you as a business? Take me through that for you and for Yanong. What's interesting is that at that time, right, we were in the middle of a nationwide project for NLC. It was training that we had to do for social media. We had just moved out of our offices for some reason. I can't remember. I think we're looking for new offices or something like that. But somehow 
we didn't have offices and we were already working online, but not as much as we are doing right now. The first thing was obviously the travels that we were on because uh, it was nationwide travels. They had to stop and we did have to conduct that training uh, online. The experience of training is you come, you get a, a manual, you go through that manual, you have your facilitator, you get taken through this training. And now here's your facilitator on this thing called Zoom or this thing called Teams. And it was a new way of having to conduct that. From a team point of view, we had to limit our interactions. So we had to learn very quickly in terms of what are the business tools that are being utilized to still try and conduct business in the new normal way of things. Mm -hmm. So we've had to invest in things like Microsoft Teams, subscriptions like Zoom. For our clients, we had to think about how can we still create relevance for our clients within this new dynamic? Because we have clients that have events and they rely on booking a venue and showing up and letting people come in and that kind of thing. Yeah. So we quickly were able to create uh, concepts like webinars on Zoom, on LinkedIn, on Facebook Live, which was something that we would have never done because there wasn't a need. You know, people, you just have a flyer, you have the date, the time and where to go. Now here's the, the password. We were interviewing people on Instagram Live. So we had to really start running and understanding and investing in uh, digital infrastructure, making sure that um, the team members have Wi-Fi. Any computer glitches that we used to overlook in the past, we we're now making sure that we are investing in fixing it because we are now relying on these devices to conduct our business. Sure, hectic. It was very difficult. It was very, very difficult. Difficult in the sense that my phone would never stop ringing. My whole day was planned from seven o'clock in the morning until late at night because I had to attend these Teams meetings. And because of the anxiety that everyone, our partners and our network was experiencing, we had a lot of meetings. Mm. So you're sitting in a lot of meetings. You have a lot of emails coming through. You have a lot of phone calls coming through. And navigating that was very, very difficult. It became became very easy to become susceptible to things like burnout. Sure. Everyone is trying to navigate this. Everyone is in a panic. Everyone is in a state of anxiety. The WhatsApp groups that were created as a result for any and every single topic. Yeah. It was very, very difficult. So I really found that time to be very hard until about September when I made a stance and I said that I cannot do this like this anymore. We need to start putting up boundaries. We need to start reducing this panic and this anxiety. Some meetings could have been emails. So I developed a strength in the sense that I was able to do what I had to do in the time that I had to do it, as well as the skill of helping people to not panic helping people to not stress out and understanding that now we're not just talking about the brief that we're working on. Sometimes you're hearing a person phoning you because they genuinely just need someone to talk to. Mm. And in their head, they may be panicked or in a state of anxiety about one thing. However, when you listen to them talking, you're understanding that this person just needed to hear another person on the other side of the phone and to get reassured that don't worry, you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. So you become almost like a, a multifaceted individual that, yeah, your deliveries may be a strategy or your deliveries may be a campaign but then you also develop a sense of empathy where you you have to avail yourself to helping people to really just calm down if i can put it that way wow so i'm gonna take you back to 2020 again you wrote an article on bizcommunity.com titled the rise of afro natural beauty as an advertising trend and the article was featured on the bizcommunity 2020 trends and was rated as the most read Jay, let's talk about that. 
Yes, I was invited by my colleague Monge Zimtati to write, to contribute to Biz Community Trends. You know, I feel like people like Monge are such amazing writers and yourself. Thank you. <laughs> you know, he kept encouraging me and I was like, okay, cool. So then I wrote this article and I just found myself writing about the beauty industry because I was noticing that standard of beauty has evolved, it has changed. We've become more conscious as a market about body shaming, about colorism and that kind of thing. That's true. And I was appreciating what the beauty brands were doing from an inclusion point of view, having people with albinism in campaigns, people living with vitiligo or different forms of it. Yeah. And I was really loving this trend and I was predicting that this is what we're going to start seeing because the brief was what is going to come up in the next year. And I was saying that this is what we're going to start seeing in this industry. And obviously the beauty industry is something that I really understand well, having worked with the Unilever brand. Yeah. The article really received such a positive uptake. It was very great and exciting for me to see marketing professionals, advertising professionals really uh, appreciate uh, the content that was put together. Wow. That's amazing. Who has been your biggest inspiration in life personally and career wise? My biggest inspiration in life has to be Renee Silverstone. In fact, I have three. The first is definitely Renee Silverstone. I actually wrote to her the other day and I said to her, you know, you really encouraged me and motivated me to enter the world of entrepreneurship, especially within the advertising spectrum, where it's known to be a boys club. And she's number one for me. The other one is Tolwana Kubega, who is a brand strategist, seasoned brand strategist, very strong woman who has really secured her space um, in the market. So those two women, as well as uh, Sizakele Murutile, I love that these women that are celebrated in the industry, women that are respected, and it's a boys club, as we all know, and it's beautiful to see these pioneers uh, really encourage young people like myself. Wow, that's amazing. What keeps you going and what's your business motto? So my business motto comes from my grandfather, who we just lost, unfortunately, during these uh, difficult times. My deepest condolences, Jay. And um, so he calls, uh, you know, he's always called himself distinction material. I've been lucky to come from a family of people that have really done amazing things that have transformed people's lives. Like, you know, we connected to the founders of the ZCC Church, for example. My grandmother was part of the research for the Burula fruit, and that helped and informed the Amarula that we now drink and is a big export that goes out of this country. So the motto is never start something that you cannot finish and being a distinction material. So what gets me going is, okay, I think I have a natural fighter spirit. I've prioritized my health, mental, physical, financial, spiritual. So I'm on a quest to live a balanced life. The best advice that I ever got was don't be afraid to fail. And sometimes we fail every day. Right. So some days you wake up, you're like, oh, today I failed. But at least you have another chance tomorrow. So finding balance, prioritizing health in all its aspects and kind of like taking it easy, you know, not being so hard on myself and building up boundaries. Yeah. Now let's talk about Virtue, which you launched in 2018. You know, it's very close and dear to me. So when Virtue started, I actually had the designs done for Virtue in 2016. And it was based on the Proverbs 41 woman, Virtuous Woman of Substance. Yeah. And it is faith-based that aims to connect people in business, that aims to motivate the younger generation, both male and female. And from 2016, initially, you know, I had to take time to understand what it's about. Because what Virtue is, it's like a blank canvas where the artist 
just has a paintbrush and paint and they don't know what they're going to end up with at the end. However, this thing is building itself. So in 2018, we started doing women's sessions and the point of those sessions, we did a, a gratitude session, which was great. And what came out of it is one of the women that attended that gratitude session became a gratitude motivator after that. Wow, that's amazing. And she was invited places to come and speak on gratitude. And it was unique. So we had two sessions in 2018 and we had to take a break because this platform is something that is actually supposed to be helping people in, in any way, shape or form. And being this kind of like a light of hope during tough times. So one of the trends that I've noted now is I've seen children that are 10 years old that are committing suicide. It's become a thing. Hectic. And what that tells me is that there's a hole amongst those young girls, those young boys. For us to go to schools and talk to them and say, what are you doing? You know, create a network of counselors and reach every market because especially right now with so much uncertainty, the elderly are feeling abandoned. There's an opportunity to really unify, encourage and help each other. So that's kind of like a, the philanthropy side of who I am. And virtue is, you know, meant to really just fill that hole, fill that gap be that ray of sunshine, uh, be the change that we want to see, basically. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's exciting or interesting that we're talking about this on your first episode of season two, because we've got such new and exciting plans for next year, 2022, that we're busy building and planning on now. So it's going to be so exciting when we regroup and talk again to talk about some of what we've already done coming for the rest of this year, as well as next year. Incredible stuff. And now you have embarked on a new hospitality project with your mom. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it's so interesting to go into hospitality during a pandemic. As a traveler and as someone who he knows how accommodation and B&Bs work. We have a great opportunity here at our family home in uh, Randburg uh -huh. to convert it into a B&B and offer accommodation and bread and breakfast experiences to those traveling in and out of the city as well as the, the province. So it's been exciting. Jay, you are definitely a woman on a mission. May you continue to lead by a vision to inspire connections. We wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Rufula, for having me. This was such a great and inspirational conversation session that we've had wishing you all the best for season two and very excited about everything that you are doing as well thank you but before i let you go if we want to do business with you if you want to get a hold of you where do we find you please share your website and social media details sure so our website is yanong.co.za so it's j-a-n-o-n-g and then it's Yanong Digital Agency across all platforms. So we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, um, as well as Instagram. So you're welcome to send us a direct message on any of our social media platforms. And if you go to our website, all our information is there, including our email addresses. Josephine J. Sebesho, founder of Janwon Digital Agency and Brand Guru. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Never miss an episode. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are also on all podcast platforms. Find me on my socials, Facebook page, Rifilwe Tobeha, Instagram and Twitter at Rifilwe Tobeha. And on LinkedIn, I am Rifilwe Tato Tobeha. Let's do this again next week. Have a fantastic week ahead. And remember to always level up, level up. Cheers. Conversations with Pioneers. Hosted by Refilio Tobeja.